So we're continuing our teaching series called Fresh. If you were here last weekend, you heard Jeff talking about what God has been teaching him lately, and that's what the whole idea of Fresh is about. We wanted to give you a three weeks of what God has been doing in, in Jeff's life and my life and in, in Doug Mather's life. And last week he talked about uh, that he is a recovering legalist, and God is moving him from a, a person that kind of saw black and white and rules and boundaries to grace and mercy. Next week, Doug is going to be talking about location, location, location. And, and he has been in Israel for the last two weeks. And before this, he promised, he has promised that next week will not be the family slideshow <laughs> of what he got to see and you missed out on. Okay, so it won't be that. It's really going to be about what God has been teaching him and some insights he's He's gleaned over these past two weeks. I really want to encourage you to come back and hear that. Tonight is, is my night. And in this series, Fresh, I, I just want to really work on one word. It's a word that God has been, God has been having me wrestle with um, for a while now. Um, my mom moved here about six months ago. And um, that's what's kind of created this... Uh, journey on this word, but the word is honor, honor. When you think of that word, what comes to your mind? And we use that word in a variety of different ways. If we have people over and there's someone special, we can say, hey, we have an honored guest, or we'll have them sit in the seat of honor. We talk about honoring our military, and, and we talk about that. We talk about that it's an honor to, to see something for the very first time. But the definition of the word honor is really about high respect, esteem, and admiration. And that's what we're going to be looking at and, and wrestling with tonight. And before we begin, I'd like to just take a moment to pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be here together to, to worship to be still, to hear from you. God, I pray you'd quiet our hearts that we might learn something that you have been trying to teach us for a while or that we would worship you in a deeper, richer way. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So I want to give you one theme verse for tonight that we're going to be looking at throughout this message, and it's from Ephesians. Paul was writing to the church of Ephesus, and it's, it's three verses out of that letter that he wrote to them, and, it, and, it's, and it's for children, which, guess what? That's all of us. So we're all included in this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Children, obey your parents and honor your father and mother. Now, I know that it's possible for some of us in this room that as soon as we hear this verse, either we start to think, oh, here comes a guilt trip, or we go, Doug, you don't know my parents. If you knew my parents you'd understand why this verse 
creates an emotional reaction for me. Doug, you don't understand why this verse creates a physical response for me. My parents have been horrible parents. My parents have really struggled. My parents have made all kinds of bad decisions. My parents, I'm not even sure that they love me. And there's some going, I, I didn't even know some of my parents. They, they walked out the door. So I know there's all of that in the background, and here's what I want to say, and it's going to sound harsh, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter for tonight's purposes. Now, obviously it matters, but it doesn't matter for tonight's purpose. And here's why. Every parent is flawed. There isn't a parent that has ever had children that hasn't failed. It's just a matter of degrees. We've all failed. We've all messed up. We've all misread our children. We've all not followed through on what we were supposed to do. We've all lost our cool. We've all said things we shouldn't have said. And every parent is flawed. Some of their flaws are just more severe than others. And some of their flaws are much more visible than others. But there isn't a parent in this world who has not failed. And I get that because of what Romans 3 says. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's the New Living Translation. I'm going to give you the Doug Weinkoff translation. For every parent has failed. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. If honor is dependent upon our parents having it together and being perfect and never screwing up, then none of them get any honor because we've all failed. And I'm a parent. I've failed at this. But let me give you another reason that it doesn't matter. If you become a parent, you know you mess up your kids. Sorry. But here's the next one. We would not be here without them. Super obvious, right? If it wasn't for your parents, you wouldn't be able to be upset with them for how badly they did. They chose, whether they meant to or not, to have kids. I mean, they took the right steps to create children. And that's why you're here. Because your parents decided to have children. And if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't sit here and listen to this. Let me give you another reason. God chose their DNA to make us unique. God chose their DNA. They are what makes us special. When God used their DNA, created and blended that together, it gave us who we are. There's a reason I'm five foot six. It's because my mom's four foot eleven. Okay? You know? There's a reason I'm not skinny. If you looked at all of my dad's side of the family, we're chunky. Okay? There's a reason that I either do have intellect or don't have intellect. I do have musical skills or don't have musical skills. I am artsy or I'm not so artsy, which is the truth. And it's part and parcel of being who I am, which God created using my mom and dad. The psalmist wrote this. You made, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. 
You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God used our parents to make us special and to make us unique, which I think is amazing. So here's why it really doesn't matter. Honor is not about our parents' worthiness. Giving honor is not about our parents. Giving them high respect, giving them esteem, giving them admiration. It's not about what they've done. It's really all about us. It's really all about us. And the reason I say that is, let me take you back to that verse. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Honoring our parents benefits us. Honoring our parents is us pursuing God's dream for us. It's not about our parents getting it done and doing it right. This understanding of honor your parents is part of the Ten Commandments. You find it in Deuteronomy. And here they are, real quick and short. No gods before me. Do not make idols. Do not swear. Keep the Sabbath. Honor your parents. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie and do not cover. And that's the order they're in. Starting on the left side, going down, one through ten. I find it fascinating that honor your parents is right after the four commandments about who God is and how he wants us to relate to them. And it's before all the commandments about relationships. The first four are about our relationship with God. Then he transitions that, and I believe it was intentional, the fifth one is about your relationship with your parents. And it's a reflection of your relationship with God. And then he moves on to the last five that is, a re- is all about what kind of relationship you're supposed to have with one another. So honoring your parents is a big deal, I think. I mean, the ones on the right side, do not murder, we're all like, yeah, no kidding. Do not commit adultery. Yeah, that messes everything up. Do not steal. Yeah, that's not right. Do not lie. We don't have a problem with any of these commandments. Every one of us would go, yeah, that's a moral code we should live out. But before those is honor your parents. So what does it look like to honor our parents? I think it changes. I think it changes as we mature. And at different stages of our lives, it looks very differently. And and for tonight's purposes, I kind of broke it down into three stages of life for us. The first stage is of honor is childhood. It's from birth to age 12. So if you're in elementary school or or middle school, this is this is for you guys. So you're you're gonna try and wrestle with this question of what does it look like? You know, if you're in the beginning of middle school, this is you too. What does it look like to honor your parents? So I decided to get some experts on this topic, and I invited our Crosswinds kids to do a little coaching tonight. Watch what they have to say on this topic.
I did chores, pretty much. Not the whole way through, but a lot of chores. I do my chores. I do chores. Do my chores. I do that one too. I read books with them. Spend time with them and listen when they say to do something. The way that I show my parents that I love them is by hugging them and helping them with chores around the house. I don't know! I don't know. Uh, I do cleaning for them. I help them. I feed the cats. Okay, I still don't know. I give them hugs and kisses and, and smile at them when they, they want me to smile at them. I try to respect them as much as I can and like do chores and help out with the rest of the people in the family. What are we talking about again? What movies with them? Um, I give them lots of hugs and kisses and I give them drawings. Hugging them. But you know what to say. Listen to them. Help them. How do you help them? By doing the dishes. Listen. Do you make them laugh? Uh, no. No, never? My pets make me laugh. I tell her that I love her, and um, I kiss her and hug her almost every day. I make them cards and go outside and pick them flowers. By hugging them? I still don't know. I'm done now. I realize some of you are going to go talk to your kids after this. <laughs> and they're either getting hugs or going, really? Really? But our kids know that there's really two things that really make up what it looks like to honor their parents. And, and we laughed that they said chores so many times. So you guys must have some wicked lists in your houses. <laughs> but children, whoops, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Almost all kids know that there's some, some expectation that we follow the rules, that there's certain things we're supposed to do and not do, and we learn them right away. And, and here's a great list that I put together. You know, you're supposed to eat your food, clean your room, do your homework, put away your toys, brush your teeth, don't tell lies, don't bite, don't swear, don't hit, don't steal. I think I've had all of those rules for my children over time. And on great days, they're obedient and keep them. And then there's the days when it's a lot harder. But obedience for our children is part of what it looks like to honor our parents. But remember I told you then there's days that you don't? I had one of those days, and it was all about a bathtub. I was in third grade. We had gone on vacation to see my mom's family in Alabama, and she has 18 brothers and sisters, and, and we would kind of go visit all the different families and that, and, and one of them had a farm, and it was awesome, because when you grow up in Chicago, a farm is something totally foreign to you. You know, you know that that's what they, where they make food, but you don't visit one. 
So we went to my Uncle Will's farm, and, and we went there, and they had sheep, and they had cattle, and they had horses, and, and I got to be out there and help with some of the mucking and the chores, and I got to ride the horse, and, and it was a great day, and, and I smelled like one of the animals before the day ended. And then it came time to get ready for bed, and my mom goes, well, you're going to need a bath. I didn't like baths. I don't know where it is in boys where they get to that point where they kind of kick over and go, baths are not cool anymore. But I had arrived already. And I said, I don't want to take a bath. You know, I'll, I, I can take a shower later. Can I just wait because I'm having so much fun? And my mom goes, okay, fine. You can wait a little while. And a little while passed. She goes, okay, Douglas, that's the key. That word right there, Douglas, is the key. You know, Douglas, you need to take a bath. And I don't want to take a bath. You're wrecking everything. Just a few more minutes. Okay, a few more minutes. The third time, my mom said, Douglas, you need to take a bath now. And I did not catch the red warning symbols at that moment that I should have. And I started fussing, and I started just carrying on, and and I embarrassed her in front of her brother and his wife, and and that is the most memorable spanking <laughs> I think I ever received. But it was an intentional moment where I chose not to honor my mom and dad. And, and it was embarrassing for them and awkward for them. And I look back at it now and I go, oh, what a disaster. We all have those moments, don't we? Maybe it's not about a bathtub, but it's something where we knew what the right thing to do was, but we just, uh, that's more work than I want to do. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Not because they've earned it, but because it's right. For it's right. Now, the other piece our kids picked up on right away as they were sharing with us was one of the ways we honor our parents is through acts of love. And you heard them talk about how they give hugs or kisses and, and that they read books with their family and all that. You know another way they do it? And none of them picked up on it. It's the things that they bring home from school and the crafts here from church that you're so lucky we provide. Because we've watched them in the lobby and they'll make something and they'll go, oh, mom, I made this for you. And you're thinking, you shouldn't have. <laughs> Couldn't it be for Uncle Ben? We had a wall in our kitchen dedicated to these acts of love from our children until they got a little bit older. And most of them were dedicated to my wife. I don't understand it, but very rarely did one of the pieces of great art come home for me. But they came home for mom, and, and they would bring them home and say, Mom, I made this for you, and I love you. And, and here's what, what we have to catch that in those moments when they make things for us, we're getting a glimpse of who God has made them to be. Because sometimes the art reveals who they are. I'm going I'm to just show you my kids' art. They're going to kill me later. But it's okay, because um, they're now grown, and they won't be so embarrassed, I hope. But my daughter Meredith, when she was in elementary school, this is super early on, she decided she was going to be an abstract artist. And that ended up on the wall. Because on the back side of it, it says, 
for mom. I love you. And it ended up on the wall. And of my three kids, she is kind of the out-of-the-box thinker. And, and it is honestly kind of a reflection of, of who she is. But it was a reflection of her love for mom. Now, my son, Keith, who's in the room, <laughs> he's so lucky. He's actually the most compassionate of my children. He, he is the most caring and, and sensitive of all of them. This is what he made for mom. I sing for you. And there's a little boy singing away. That made the wall. Because why? Because I love you. It was one of the ways he was trying to honor mom. Now Adam is still in high school. Adam is a treasure. In so many, many ways. And he brings delight to us in laughter. This is what he put together. Can you catch what it says? Happy fun time, unicorns of death. <laughs> By Adam Weinkoff. <laughs> Nothing says I love you <laughs> like unicorns of death. And it made the wall. We're so glad they're in their teens and 20s now. But you know what? All of it has been kept. It's all in a gigantic bucket that we keep in our house. Because it was one of the ways our kids showed us love. They showed us obedience when they followed the rules and they showed us love by acts. When we're in stage one, that's a lot of what it looks like. And, and think back on what do you want from your children? And you're probably thinking of the exact same things. Man, that would be awesome. But we only live in stage one until we get to, eight, to 12, and then we jump over to stage two. And stage two is the transition years, I think, from 13 to 30. It, <laughs> 40, ouch. <laughs> we'll talk later. Um... It used to be from 13 to about 18. And then we went 13 to 22. And now we go, no, it's 13 to 30. We have extended adolescence into our late 20s and some poor soul 40s. But it's the transition years. You know what the goal of everyone between 13 and 30 is for their parents? It's their job to keep my parents humble. They point out every time we fail, every time we mess up, every time we're not cool, every time we have dropped the ball and they know better than us, they kind of make sure we stay humble. They don't want us to get too big ahead. They're just trying to make sure we kind of keep it together. And they point out all of our foibles, all of our mistakes, all of the things that we misspoke or, hey, you said we shouldn't do that, but you're doing that. Well, it's different. I'm an adult. Okay, whatever. You know, they will tell you all these things. But the job of our teens and 20-somethings often looks like that. But the real question is, what does it look like to honor your parents when you're in your teens and when you're in your 20s? It's not just about obedience anymore because you know what? You're becoming an, an independent person. 
You're starting to make decisions on your own. You know that your parents have weaknesses. Before 12, you think your parents are pretty amazing. And then you hit middle school and high school, and you go, my parents are messed up. What's with that? Why did God give me them? Johnny's parents are pretty cool. And they start critiquing and going over everything with you. Here's what I want us to wrestle with from Leviticus. Each of you must show great respect for your mother and father. You must always observe my Sabbath days of rest. I'm the Lord your God. Now this is from a different passage, not tied directly to the Ten Commandments, but I find it fascinating that, remember when I gave you the list of the Ten Commandments? The fourth one was keep the Sabbath. Now in Leviticus, a totally different passage about this. It says, honor and respect your mother and father. And then tossed in there is, and you should keep the Sabbath. I don't think that's by coincidence. I think it's intentional. Hey, when you remember who I am, that I am, as Jesus said, your daddy, your father. Also remember your mother and father and respect them because I'm your God. In Proverbs it says this, a wise child accepts a parent's discipline. A mocker refuses to listen to correction. When I put those two verses together, it leads me to a number of actions that I think it calls us to when we're in our teen and 20 years. And the list is this, that God has called us to listen to the wisdom of our parents. You know, I was amazed and shocked that when I went away to college after four years of getting an education, my parents got a lot smarter while I was away. I mean, those four years, they pulled it together and figured some stuff out. I'm so proud of them. For the rest of us, we're hoping that happens too. But we're really called to listen to our parents, to the advice they give us, to accept it, to accept them, to recognize, no, they, they aren't perfect parents, but they are my parents. To forgive them when they do drop the ball, when they make a mistake, when, when they didn't even know that there was an expectation, but you had one for them. And to continue to love them and then to act. And what I mean by act is, remember I said that from 13 to 30, we start finding our own independence. We start figuring it out. You know, when we turn 18, we go, oh, I'm an adult. And when we get to 22, we go, I'm educated, and I'm going to get a job. And, and we do all these things, and we start independently living. But at the same time, we're still kind of, Dad, what do you think? Mom, what do you think? And we're getting feedback from them and, and support from them financially sometimes. Or, or we're still living with them, but... During that 20-something to 30-something, there is a tremendous amount of change going on in our life. And our acts can be a reflection that honors them. The way we live, the way we behave, the decisions we make will reflect on them. And, and I think behind all that is a question many of us wrestle with. We want our parents to be proud of us. We want our parents to see that, hey, we're not kids anymore. We figured it out. We figured it out, and, and a lot of that was because of you. And we just want to know, Mom, Dad, are you proud of me? 
for a lot of us that are just getting to 30, we're thinking that. Do I make you proud? Am I honoring you with the decisions I've made? Which takes us to our last stage. Adults from 31 to, well, when we take our last breath. Whenever that is. That's the stage I'm living in right now. I'm 54. My wife's parents are in their mid-70s. My mom's 90. She moved here to be with us six months ago. And uh, we're what's called the sandwich generation. You probably never heard about this before. But we are still parenting our children... And because of science and medicine and better health care and, and better diets, we're living a whole lot longer. And we now have parents. I have three parents still alive in our family, my wife's mom and dad and my mom. And now we're finding ourselves in a different relationship with them again. Their independence is changing. And, and we're having to figure out, so what does that look like for them? And in the midst of that, I'm trying to figure out, so how do I honor my mom at age 90? How do I make sure I show her dignity and respect when, when our roles may be changing in some ways? And I'll tell you that, you know, on some days, I do a great job at it. You know, I keep it together, and I, and I do, do pay attention, and, and I know what it looks like to honor my mom in particular. But then there's those other days. The days when I'm feeling stressed because I'm still raising my kids or the stress that I'm feeling about our financial situation that we kind of have needs at both ends besides our own or when I'm just not in a good place and, and I don't have patience and I, and I don't have intuition to know what really I should be saying or what I should be doing. On those days... It's not so good sometimes. Before you leave, let's spend some time in the yard. Sure, Dad. Just a bird, Dad. What's that? It's a bird, Dad. It's a bird. What's that? Yeah. Bird? What's that? It's a bird, Dad. A bird. 
What's that? Dad, it's a bird. Okay? It's just like all the other ones. I've told you a ton of times now. It's just a bird. B-I-R-D. Comprende. Dad. Out loud. Today, my youngest son, who a few days ago turned three, was sitting me with me at the park. And a sparrow sat in front of us. My son asked me 21 times what it was. <laughs> and I answered 21 times that it was a sparrow. I hugged him every single time he asked me the same question again and again without getting mad, feeling affection for my innocent little boy. Sorry, Dad. If you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, you probably can identify with that. I know I can. Proverbs 23. Listen to your father who gave you life and don't despise your mother when she is old. It's remembering what they've done, how they've invested in us, what they've sacrificed for us. The nice things, the nice vacations that they could have had that they chose not to. The effort they put into loving us, raising us. First Timothy. Paul writes again to, to Timothy. He's a young pastor in the, at the church. And he, he writes this to him. Take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. The church is called to care for those who are older. We're supposed to act in love. But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. Remember when I said it's not about them? It's about us. It's about us choosing to do what pleases God. And that is honoring our father and mother. It looks a little differently. The expectations, the actions change as, as our parents age and as we age. It looks more like this. It's appreciativeness. Appreciation for all they've done. All the years they 
sat with us when we were frustrated or disappointed or when we cried because of heartbreak or, or problems in our lives. It's patience with them that we just don't have time. We don't have the time to spend with them because we're torn in so many different directions. And yet it looks like that. I found one of my favorite, my mom's favorite things to do now is um, to have lunch with me. So at least once a week, I, I get over there and we have lunch together. And, and when we have lunch, you know, at the end of it, you know, I might have to be getting back here and it's pretty quick on time, you know. And she goes, this was the best part of my day. Now, if my heart's in the right place, it's a great moment. If my heart's not, I'm going, yeah, and I got a lot to do. I got to roll. But it's giving time. It's caring for their needs, whatever they are. And, and as, as our parents age, hey, trust me, as we age as parents, we're going to want this for us. My wife's already been telling our kids, hey, remember, when we're old, remember. Okay? But we would want this for us, wouldn't we? And then to continue loving them. Finding ways to express that. Maybe you're not coloring anymore for them. But it may be, it may be finding things that they would like to do. It may be just the spending of time with them. It may, it may be buying something that they might think is just, you know, frivolous. My mom grew up during the Depression. She grew up during World War II. She's a massive saver. You never know. We never just know. You may need this. And it might be little pieces of soap. It might be aluminum foil. It, it might be lots of, but you never know. And that's an entire generation, folks. It's not just my mom. Because they know what it was like to suffer and not have. And sometimes it's just buying something that we just think is no big deal. And, and to them they go, wow, that's a big deal. But it's showing love. Now remember at the beginning when I said it doesn't matter how great or how terrible your parents are. There is a caveat. It does matter. It does matter because they may have left some scars and some wounds in you. You may be struggling with what they did or what they didn't do. And it's keeping you from being able to honor them. It's getting in the way of you living out what God has called you to do. So I want to encourage you to take a couple steps. I want to encourage you to own it, whatever happened, whatever occurred, and then confront it, to walk it through with your parents. And if they passed away, you won't have that opportunity. But you'll need to walk it through. And, and then maybe you need to get some help. You may need to talk to someone professionally to help you with, with the wounds and the scar tissue that you have from the experience you had as, as a child or as a young adult or even as, as an older adult. And then the greatest challenge is to let it go. To let it go. I read a, a, read a quote the other day that it said, what you feed will grow and what you starve will die. Now that's not incredibly profound, but here's how it applies to our lives. If we feed resentment and bitterness, it will grow and consume us. But if we starve it, it'll die and something else will take its place. And I think what takes its place 
is joy. And the ability to be content. So I want to encourage you, if you are a person that, that you go, man, Doug, my parents were a mess. Don't let it destroy your life. Take steps to get yourself happy, to get yourself healthy, and move forward with your life. So it really leaves us with this question tonight. How can I honor my parents, since all of us have them, and even if they've passed away, it's in living the way that would honor them. And I gave you a lot of different possibilities tonight to obey, to listen, to accept, to forgive, to appreciate, to act, to be patient, to care, and to love. I want to leave you with just one question with that. What is your next step? What is your next act that you need to take to honor your father and mother? Let's pray. God, we thank you for the parents you've given us. Not because of their worthiness, not because of their excellence, but because you gave them to us. God, this week, for some of us, it may mean making a phone call, making some time, doing something. Help us to, to honor our parents this week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.